There is a large number of women in my audience who belong to various network marketing and direct sales companies. And I have long loved this business model because it really does give women the opportunity to build a successful business while also nurturing their other passions or staying home to raise children. It's an industry that offers up incredible opportunities and there are no glass ceilings. Yet, it has also taken a beating in terms of reputation over the years. So I thought my guest today would be the perfect person to have on to talk about the powerful opportunity that is network marketing. Denise Chenault has been a top performer and leader in the industry for more than 22 years. Early in her career, Denise saw how important personal development was for the growth and success of a leader. She not only leads one of the biggest teams in her company, she also coaches and trains other leaders across the industry. Denise has spoken on stage at the Most Powerful Women in Network Marketing for the past five years, and she has been featured in numerous industry books and publications. In fact, in 2018, she and her husband, Tom, were inducted into Network Marketing Pro Million Dollar Hall of Fame. So clearly, Denise is a powerhouse. But what I love most about Denise is how down to earth she is and how humble she is. She's never forgotten her roots. And as you'll hear in our interview, she uses a lot of her influence and money today to help other women. Whether you are in network marketing or not, I think this conversation is more about leadership and development as women, and what you can learn from this is applicable to any industry. So I couldn't be more thrilled to introduce you to my friend Denise Chenault today on the show. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Lightbeamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Denise Chenault, I am so excited to get you on the Inside Story podcast, both to share you with the listeners and the community members at Lightbeamers, and also just to really talk more about uh, your position and your rise in the industry of network marketing. I know that you know, network marketing is one of those industries that a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with. There's a lot of like negative stories and things that you get told about in, in the marketplace. But when you really are on the inside story behind network marketing, you see all the beautiful things that can unfold, especially for women and the opportunities it provides women. 
Um, and I know that your story in particular uh, holds a lot of that. So I'm really excited to dig in with you today and have you on the show. So welcome. Oh, April, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. And um, I'm just so excited to be able to to talk to the, the, the other light beamers out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, what I thought we would start with today, because you have such a, an interesting story about just your role and your rise in network marketing. You are, you know, one, one of the top leaders in your company, and you are one of the well most well-respected women in network marketing. I know you get asked to speak regularly on the speaking circuit for network marketing conferences, things like GoPro and things like that. You, uh, you have, you are in a position uh, in a very powerful and influential position now in where you are in your current life and in the current stage of your business, but it didn't always start out that way, right? It didn't start there. (laughs) It's been, it's, it's a 22 year relationship I've had in network marketing. And um, I kind of fell into network marketing in a lot of ways because my husband, Tom, um, he had been uh, in several different network marketing companies before he came into our current company. And he had just gotten in about six months before we got married. And we were both doing other things in addition to network marketing. And we were kind of dabbling and uh, at a certain point, we, you know, we, we loved the idea of network marketing. We loved the idea of residual income. I had kind of dappled in it a little bit in my 20s and realized that, like a, a lot of people, that, oh, you know, I love the idea of this, but it's not for me because I never thought that I was, quote unquote, a salesperson. I hear that all the time from women. You know, I'm just... Uh, I'm just not, you know, good sale. And what I realized uh, when Tom and I decided to go all in into network marketing was that it really has nothing to do with sales. What it really has to do with is exactly what you talk about is one of one of our best tools is is using our story. And, um, and like you said, you know, a lot of what we do is, is around educating about the profession because, um, up until, you know, a few years ago, how people were taught to talk about their company or products, what was really about throwing up on people, you know, kind of berating them, not taking no as an answer, you know, and, you know, uh, arm twisting people into agreeing to be in on their team, you know, and nobody likes that feeling. So of course, as, as a profession, we got a black eye. And so part of what we do is just reeducate people and um, teach them how to really, it's, it's all about relationship and it's all about honoring the people that, that, that do say yes. And if some, if it's, not somebody's time yet, that to honor that too, because the relationship above all else is what matters. Yeah. And I think that we are in a time of our life and existence where relationships are so much more of an asset than anything else that we have, especially coming off of a year that we've had where we have been isolated from a lot of people. We've been 
you know, really not able to get out and network, so to speak, and, and, and connect as much. And so it's those relationships that you have to focus on and keep nurturing that will help you build your business. And sometimes that it's not even about the transaction that takes place with that particular person, but it may be referrals or it may be suggestions or it may be mentoring or it may be, you know, just support in other ways. And you never know where that's going to come from. So yeah, relationship building is so important. And I love what you said about how it's really about the story. So how would you say storytelling has served you as you have grown and built your very successful business in network marketing? How has story served you? Well, I mean, my story, I think like a lot of people, you know, one of the reasons that um, initially I did get into looking at network marketing is that I needed to find another source of income. <laughs> I was I was a single mom. I had a two-year-old. I was living paycheck to paycheck and, uh, and barely, you know. And so I was really looking at, at creating an extra, goodness, April, 200 bucks a month would have been life-saving for me, you know, because I did have my car repossessed. I didn't have cable television. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of things because I simply could not afford it. I, when the month came around, I, I would pay my mortgage on my teeny little town home. And then I would pay for my uh, son's school. And then everything else was like, I remember I used to on the on the bill, I would put the day that it needed to be paid and how much it was. And then I would organize the envelopes that way. And it was just kind of like, well, you're not getting paid this month. <laughs> we'll see about next month, you know? And so that's how I was living. And, and so if I would have had an extra $200 a month, my car wouldn't have gotten repossessed, you know? And that's the story that a lot of people, especially single moms can relate to is, you know, the fact that my son, Dominic and I, I mean, one of our favorite meals together was um, grilled cheese and tomato soup, you know, because it was cheap. Still to his day, he loves grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. And so it's the details like that in your story that people go, she gets it. You know, she's been there. I can feel it. So story is really, it's so important to be able to say, look, I understand where you're at. I was there too. And to be able to shuffle your story, depending on who you're talking to, you know, maybe it isn't, um, maybe they can't really relate to something, uh, a financial stress that maybe they can relate to having um, lack of time, you know, maybe they just more than anything want to be able to show up at their kid's soccer game at three o'clock in the afternoon without having to get an okay from their boss, you know, so I can tell a story around that. So it's, it's being flexible enough and being in the flow enough, being present enough to hear what their needs are to be able to adapt my story so that they can hear it better. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, you said that the business of network marketing and what you have 
been able to find success with has been around building the relationships, right? It's like leading with the relationship and being okay if that person doesn't join your team or buy your products. It's still about keeping the integrity of the relationship intact. How has storytelling and sharing those stories with people helped you build those relationships? When Tom and I first got married, I was I was a hair care rep. And again, like 100% commission. That's how I was getting paid. So therefore, <laughs> I had a lot of times more month than I had money. But what I realized in accepting the job is that, and I, I did not see myself as a salesperson. But what I did realize is that I was really good at developing relationships. And I was very bad at lying. We had this spiff about selling, you know, this certain product line. If I didn't feel like it would benefit the salon owner, then I couldn't sell it to them. And I would, and I had a hard time, you know, like telling them so. And so they would ask me what I thought. I would tell them, honestly, I don't really think you need this, but I'll tell you if there's something else that comes along. So when there was something that I thought would absolutely benefit them, then they totally trusted me and they bought it. And I think that that's, you know, that, that goes, that's a thread that goes through all uh, professions, you know, if you're honest with people and if they know you have their back, if they can trust you and they know that you love them and that they belong in your tribe, then they'll do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it does. It builds that, that trust factor, that no like, and trust factor that we all need in order to want to do business with each other. You know, it's really more about that connection than it is the transaction. Um, I know that there are so many women in our audience that ha are either currently in a network marketing or direct sales company, or they've tried it in the past, or maybe they're even looking at one now. Um, it's an industry that I've always loved simply because it provides opportunity to to anyone, really. But I love how it, you know, it's a pretty female dominated industry in a lot of ways. And I love that it has always been something that women could go to if they needed it, right? Like it's, it's been like zero level to entry. Like there's, there's no barrier for the most part. You could probably have a hundred bucks and get into a business. And so what have you seen as a woman in network marketing and, and being in this industry for as long as you've been and working with so many women? I know you do a lot of coaching with women in this industry. What has been some of your favorite parts of working with women and working with women specifically in network marketing and direct sales? What have been your favorite pieces of that? It's about what you said. I, I love that network marketing is, it doesn't matter what your education level is. It doesn't matter what sex you are, what religion you are, what political affiliation you are. It We will love you and accept you no matter what. And for women, yeah, we dominate. I think the statistic is, you know, 72, 73% of the profession is dominated by women. And what I love about it is that it is really women-friendly because it is about relationship. It is about creating teams and it's about recognition and it's about lifting people up. And um, no matter if you want to create an extra $50 a month or, or 500 or 5,000, it's 
you know, you have that ability in this profession. And we've seen in the last year, you know, there's so many challenges going on with the COVID and being home-based or that people are searching for a way to be able to do something in their part-time. And for women, it's, it's just a perfect profession. You know, we can, you can do it when your kids are taking a nap. You could do it when they go to bed. It's the opposite of being cutthroat. We do better when we help other people rise up. Where else does that happen? That doesn't happen in corporate America. You know, if I'm a manager and if I want to become a director, the only way I'm going to become a director sometimes is that person, you know, that person leaves or dies. What I love is that people underneath me can do better than I'm doing. Yeah, it's the, it's the ultimate uh, definition of community over competition, right? Like the rise, rising tides raises all ships. Um, and that's something that I talk a lot about, you know, in my community is just there's always, there's plenty of business for everybody. There's plenty of business to go around. And like when, when I see a woman in the marketplace succeeding, instead of feeling jealous about that, I just let that be evidence of what's possible for me, right? Like seeing someone like you that is incredibly successful and very, very influential on in the work that you do and the way that you lead and speak to other women, it's evidence of what's possible for others who are maybe just starting out on their career, or maybe they're making a huge pivot in their life and they haven't ever done network marketing before. So they're giving it a try, but it it is all about that community over competition. Totally. And that's, yeah, that is one thing that I want to pop in because what I never, ever say to somebody is why are you in that company? I, because like you, I believe in abundant thinking, like, great, you know, you're, you're jumping in, you're going to try it out. Fantastic. You know, I think it's good, no matter what company you're in, because there's so many great companies out there that, you know, go be, you know, learn all you can be a student of the profession, learn the skills, get mentors. When I started out, there was no such thing called, you know, as the internet. So (laughs) people now joining, they have such you know, there's so many training tools out there online. You don't have to go. You don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a completely different ball game now than kind of making a joke. This this ain't your mama's Tupperware party anymore, right? Like it's so different and it's so advanced. And there's so many tools and trainings and you know, like coaches and mentors, like you said, and learning from sidelines and other teams and being around other people in the same industry but at a different company. You learn so much. And, I, and I've noticed that even in the programs that I lead, I have a lot of women that come into wanting to learn more about how to get visible and sharing their story because they are in a network marketing company. Um, they And they're learning from each other that are in different companies. And it, it's really that that mentality, you know, community over competition. And we all do better when we when we when one does better, we all do better. You know, I think, and you know, Denise and I go way back because I've I've done a lot of video work for the company that she's a part of, and I've done your success story and and many others in that you're friends with in your company. And that's one of the things that I love is getting to talk to people about their success and because success leaves clues, right? 
But one of the things that I have always noticed in interviewing people that have been in the industry, network marketing, different companies that I've worked with, is the way that it changes somebody internally. You know, it's it's a confidence booster. Like you said, you didn't have sales experience. You didn't know how to be a salesperson. And, And so... As you look back on your career, what would you say has been the biggest change and improvement, if you will, that it's done for you? How has it helped you? How has it changed you for the better to be to learn these skills and do what you do for a living? One of my very first loves was was always back in my 20s was was professional or uh, personal development. I've been a student of personal development you know, since I was 22, 23. What I love about network marketing is that I'm continually trying to be a student. I'm continually trying to better myself. And I don't even, I don't even like the word better, but open myself up to all I can be. I was a kid that grew up in the mountains of uh, Colorado who was so shy that I would ride the bus to school. I, in order to go to the bathroom in first grade, you had to raise your hand to ask to leave the room. I was so shy when I wouldn't raise my hand. And so then that would mean that I would hold it all day long. And then I'd ride the bus home and it was hit or miss whether I was going to pee my pants on the way (laughs) walking up to my house, you know, like that's how shy I was. And I don't think I ever raised my hand all the way through grade school, probably not even until I was in college. Like that's how I was really very much an introvert. And, um, and so if you would have told me as a little girl, look, you're going to be on stage and you're going to be talking to 5,000 people, I would have said, no, you got the wrong person. You are not talking to me. No way. But that's what this, you know, that what that's what this profession has done for me. You know, you don't get thrown into the deep end of the pool. It's baby steps. You, you do a little presentation, a one-on-one to someone and you like walk out and you realize you've been sweating like crazy and you didn't say this right or that right. And, um, but then you learn and then you do it a little bit better and your confidence gets, gets a little bit better. And then you get a little bit riskier and you realize by the time you've done this for a couple of years, where you were when you started and where you not now are is leaps ahead. And so that's what I, I love that about this profession is the uncovering of, you know, the peeling back the onion, like we like to say, of uh, what's possible for somebody. Yeah. And, you know, what's possible, let's be real, this is an industry that really does have no glass ceiling. Like it's not like being at that job and wanting to go from manager to director and getting that pay raise, right? Like getting a different level, you know, just from a pure ability to to rise in the ranks and, and not only learn more and become more, but actually have more in terms of financial success. That's one of the things that I've always appreciated about the industry too, is that there's you get to decide. You get to decide how much you want to to earn. You know, by the for the most part, because it it can be really 
beyond what you've ever been told elsewhere. And so what, and, and so you've experienced that. So what has that been like to, to then like shatter your own system and belief system around what's possible, you know, around financial from a money standpoint? Well, I tell you what, April, one, I was on stage uh, at GoPro one time and, and uh, with million dollar earners, it was a million dollar earner panel. And, uh, and I remember Eric, Worry saying to me, you know, so tell me, you know, when did you get this million dollar mindset? And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, crap, like that was never a thing. Like I did not grow up. My parents were teachers, for goodness sakes. You know, what I did know was I knew how to budget. You know, I was the best budgeter on the block. And when Tom and I got married, I said, well, we got to have a budget. And he looked at me and goes, no, we don't. We just got to make more money. And and it literally like, I was like, what? How do you, how do you even do that? And so when I got into it, I just wanted to be able to pay my bills. You know, I had no grand scheme of, of, you know, six, seven income, you know, uh, digit earner. None of that. I didn't have any of that is all I wanted was security. That was it, you know? And so then we got the security. We were able to pay our bills. Great. Everything's. And then we started opening the aperture a little bit wider. What do we see next? And then what do we see next? And you know, and lo and behold, we're, we're 22 years down the road. You know, I constantly have to widen my aperture from the standpoint of what are we going to accomplish next? Not from the standpoint of obtaining more materialistically or anything else, but because that means that we have more people being able to get to their next rung on the ladder, right? So if I'm doing better, it just means that more people underneath us are doing better. I remember Robert Kiyosaki had this great story about about widening the aperture. You know, it's like you don't know what you don't know. And so he goes to interview this guy. He shows up at this guy's house and this guy, he's rolled out, you know, the, the Ferrari and the Lamborghini and the RV, and he's standing in front of the, the mansion. And this guy's got it all, right? What Robert Kiyosaki was most fascinated with was the fact that this guy had his own street named after him. He goes, so how, how do you get, a, how do you get the, a city to name a street after you? And the guy said, well, it's easy when you donate the money to build the new hospital. Yeah. So it's like, wow, that's like, that's the aperture wide. Like, what do I, what do I want to obtain next for the greater good? How do I serve more? Yeah, I think that's it. And, and I know that you shared with me a story before we got started interviewing and actually recording the podcast that. You know, you even um, did a trip recently with a bunch of other women from different companies inside the network marketing industry, really doing just that, like going and giving and serving and helping other women in other countries develop their businesses. And so that's exactly 
what it's about. What does that feel like to be able to do that, right? Like, what? how does that feel to know that that's what that success has led to and you now have that ability to go and help and serve others and help them get started on their path? It's just the best, you know, and, and going back to what you said is that this is an abundant profession. Mm-hmm. Yes. Women from all different companies that, you know, in some people's mind, we, we would be... Competitors. Competitors is the word. We would be competitors and, and we're linking arms to to raise money to be able to, you know, we raised close to $400,000, you know, over the past couple of years. And, um, and to be able to go to Tanzania and see other women entrepreneurs be able to be self-sufficient, be able to provide for themselves and teaching their daughters to do the same and linking arms with other people in their village and teaching them. And, you know, they, they would have little money boxes they would have, and they would decide together on who would they would lend the money to, how much that she would get, whether it's to be able to send her kids to school, to buy the school uniforms, or to be able to purchase a sewing machine. Or like I was telling you before, some of them come together in groups and they had a cow fattening project where they, they bought a skinny cow, they fattened it up and then sold it for profit. And, you know, these are women that have never handled money before. And now they're self-sufficient and now they want to give back. They want to do bigger things. You know, it's like I firmly believe that the only way we're going to ease poverty in the world is by creating more entrepreneurs. Because you can be an entrepreneur on any level. It doesn't matter what you're selling. If you're selling, you know, used clothes or if you're, you know, I just heard somebody like this. There's an entrepreneur that buys cheap stuff at Marshall's and then sells it on Amazon. It's like, who thinks of these things, you know, but they're making money. Obviously, they're entrepreneurial. And during tough times like COVID, we hear about people that are are entrepreneurs that maybe like the people the people that sold all the toilet paper on Amazon for like a thousand dollars a box and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't want those people to keep, you know, me. <laughs> we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the people that do good work with their with their good, right? Yeah. There is such thing as karma. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Of all things, toilet paper, right? It's pretty symbolic. You know, one of the things too around like just what you were talking about with these women, you know, in these faraway countries, third world countries that have never been um, shown or allowed even to to handle money, to manage money, to have their own businesses. And then, you know, a group of women like you come in and, and fund these projects that other, you know, nonprofits are, are doing and paving the way and open, like to use your analogy, opening up the aperture a little bit for those women and letting them see what's possible. It's very empowering. And one of the things that you talk about is, is healing stories, you know, being, being a story healer, how healing is that for women to be able to like 
look at their own story and say, you know, that doesn't have to be my narrative anymore. Like there is, there is opportunity. There's something, there's a different way. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that means to you to be a story healer? Cause I'd love to dig into that a little bit. In my, in my twenties, I taught per, uh, personal development courses. And then I, I was a student of Martha Beck of her life coaching program. The reason why I love personal development so much is that what I realized in coaching women is that I was doing like traditional, you know, goal setting coaching. And I'd say, well, okay, so what do you want to accomplish this week? What'd you do last week? And nothing ever matched up with what they said that they were going to do and what actually got done, you know? And some of it was just life got in the way or whatever, but a lot of it was limiting beliefs. And I just knew that I needed to get to what the underlying story was. And, you know, so things happen in our, in usually very early on. And so circumstances happen, we make a decision based on what happened. And that decision is as a little girl, it serves me for a certain amount of time. But then I move into adulthood, I still have that same story, that same reasoning. And now it no longer serves me. But I don't realize because it's unconscious, I don't I don't understand that I have this, I'm, I'm allowing my past to run my future. So now we have, you know, instead of fully healed adults running around ruling the wor- world, we have damaged four-year-olds <laughs> that are ruling the world, you know. And so we have to heal that past story in order to fully move into and live fully into our present and to be able to create our future. So not living from past story, like um, Byron Katie likes to say, but creating it from a blank slate. It's so powerful when we do that healing work and we all, we all are carrying them. We all have, you know, junk in our trunk is what I say. Like there's all stuff. We all have it. None of us are immune we all come to the table with crap and we, until we're re- really ready to, and a lot of times it's when we are trying to like, oh, why can't I do that? Or why can't I get to that level? Or why can't I have that level of success? Instead of looking outward, you might want to start looking inward and asking those questions because that's, that's where some of these blocks are and that's what's preventing you. And so until you start doing that work, you know, the people that have had success or the people that are making you know, living out their purpose and making waves in their life, uh, ask them. They've probably done some of that deep work that helped them heal some of those old stories and help them write new ones that are much more positive and fulfilling. Talk about that as as like healing that story is so important. It is. It is because there's always resistance, especially if you're about ready to step into your life's work You know, if you have that feeling in your soul where you're like, I've got to go do this, but then you feel that resistance, however that looks, you know, whether it's procrastination, whether it's, you know, fear, whether it's like, I got to go, you know, get organized first or, you know, whatever it is. But the more important it is 
to the evolution of your soul, then just know that you're going to have more resistance. Yep. And that resistance is going to show up and you're going to have to, you know, the only way to get through the resistance is by action, you know, and if you have a mentor or, or a coach that you can work through this with, then you have a shot. Otherwise, it's going to be a story that constantly pops up. You know, and then in, in what I tell people, it's like, oh, if you can, if you can first identify it, like, oh, that's my not good enough story. Got it. Okay. You know, if you can just first identify it, because a lot of times it will feel it in our body because our bodies don't lie. If you have that feeling like the tightness in your stomach or the tightness in your chest or the, you know, lump in your throat. If you're able to identify that something's going on in your body and then put a name to it, like, oh, you know, this is that's that this is my fear of success story. Yeah. And you know what I've learned about that is that those fears don't really ever truly go away because they're gonna, you know, there's a lot of people say new level, next devil, whatever it is. Like you know you a better level or newer level and you're like oh here it comes again it just looks different like <laughs> it's wearing different clothes but it's the same devil right and so but what what you do what i've been you know notice is that I, i'm able to shift faster i'm able to like you say recognize that oh there's that fear of success or oh that's you know fear of whatever and so when you recognize it and have the awareness around it you're able to shift so much faster out of it and then that's when more growth can occur you know, and, and then that's what, that's what it looks like. So, um, you know, that, that is so important though, because I think a lot of women need to hear that a lot of times we think, Oh, we're the only ones that feel that way. We're the only ones that have (laughs) those crazy thoughts in our head. Uh, and it's not, it's not universal. We have them. And I think that's one of the, the fun things about my job and talking to people and hearing their stories. It's like, I, I've heard it all and they're all the same for the most part. Like really our stories do kind of, I can kind of lump them together in about five categories, you know, because that's, I've heard so many people share different stories over the years, but at the heart of it all is a central theme. And it's like, we all just, we are all de- desiring the same thing. You know, we all want to be loved. We all want to feel security like we, that was for you in, in the beginning of your career. I just want to feel secure. Yeah. I want to you know, have that safety, have that safety net. Um, we all desire success, whatever that means to us and however we define, define it. We want to feel accepted. We want to belong. You know, we want to be seen and heard. And so a lot of things are are really rooted in that in those desires. So we call we call those the BLTs. The B, what's that? The BLTs are you want to you want to belong, you want to be loved, and you want to be a part of a tribe. Oh, I love that BLTs. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <This is> good. <laughs> I love a good acronym. So good. So, what are you working on next? You're always up to some cool stuff, and you know what? What are your visions for 2021 and beyond? What are things that Denise wants to go in? charge into the world doing? That's a great question, April. Um, you know, a lot of the same thing that I was doing last year, really it, working with a lot of women coaching book in me at some point, I've been kind of, we, I was telling April, April knows that uh, we moved into a new house a year ago. And um, I was kind of, in charge of all that, you know, uh, 
that's another love of mine is just design. And, and, uh, and so I spent about two and a half years. It took, it took over two years, about two years to build this house. And, um, so now that we're finally in, I have one of the things that I desired was that we each had our own office. Well, thank you, Lord, because with COVID and everything, I've never been so grateful to have my own space. Absolutely. So now that I'm kind of settled in, we're settled into the house, um, I feel a, a book and I don't even know what it looks like. I'm kind of like, it's just, I can feel it percolating. You know, the muse has not uh, totally revealed herself yet, but um, I see that in the works. And um, and I don't know if it's going to be possible this year, maybe later on, but I love going somewhere to do some sort of um, workshop. Um, I think that I just, I really miss in-person workshops. I love Zoom, but... Um, so I don't know if it's going to be possible to do that later in the year, but um, um, there's a possibility. I, I would love to go back and do um, Byron Katie's uh, The Work, uh, The School for the Work, which is about 14 days um, in Ojai. And I, I did it a few years ago, and, and she's like, Byron Katie is – I want to come back in my next life as Byron Katie because she just, there's a handful of people on this planet that are so, they're just like not mortal humans, you know, like Eckhart Tolle. And there's, there's a few people, you know, out there that you're like, man, who are you? And Byron Katie's that for me. Um, So I'd love to go spend a couple of weeks with her again. Oh, I love that. And I agree, like just missing out on, just some of the retreats and the conferences and some of the in-person events that I adore. And I really thrive, you know, I really get so much juice out of it and not having done that, um, you know, for really almost a year now has it, it's, it's really getting under my skin. I'm really looking forward to being able to do it again. And, and, and obviously the travel part of it is fun, but it's really the learning and being immersed in, um, in the community of that, like just getting to meet people and getting to hear the speakers and, you know, just getting out of your own house. I mean, that's always a good thing when you just get out of the removal of your, your current surroundings and, uh, allows you to open up your brain and your heart a little bit to receive new messages that we need to, to receive in order to go integrate the next thing, right. To go. Totally. Figure out what that new vision is for yourself and your next level. So thank you for sharing what your new vision is for you and some of the things that you hope to be working on. I can't wait to, I can't wait to read your book. Well, it's funny because I feel like everybody's written a book by now. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) I kind of feel like that. Like I'm always kind of on the back. Like I just joined Clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. I I get on Clubhouse and Clubhouse, you feel like I got on Clubhouse and this is how I felt. I felt like, oh my God, like there's everybody else in the world knew that this other planet with extraterrestrials existed, except for me. Like, how did I not know that this was going on? But that's kind of how I always feel like I'm kind of like one step behind everybody. (laughs) 
I always say that too. I say I'm always late to the party. You know, like I am, I am never an early adopter ever. You know, because I'm always like, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you guys go figure that out. When you get it down really good, then I'll come along. But uh, yeah, but yeah, Clubhouse is that's a whole another topic probably. But yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interest. It's it's fascinating and it is good. I think there's a lot of really good stuff on there. But I think that's also a lot of people that want to make you believe that you're late to the party too. So, well, that's what Tom and I joke because it's so funny because you get on there and you're thinking, man, are there really that many six and seven figure earners in the world? You know, like, and they happen to all be here on clubhouse. Isn't that crazy? All on clubhouse. If anybody wants to know how to become a seven and eight and nine, 10 and 11 figure figure, <laughs> go to clubhouse. Oh, no, you're the real deal. I can attest. You're the real deal. And I love that way that you show up for other women and the way that you're such a leader in your industry. And um, you're always just so real and down to earth. And um, that's what that's what the magic is, is never, never forgetting that, never forgetting the things that drove you in the beginning that still are at the core of your why, right? And allow you to pass that on. I will always be a teacher's daughter. You know, and people say to me all the time, they go, man, you're just so down to earth. And I kind of look at them like, how else would you be? Like, I don't even know what, yeah, how how else to be other than that. You know, we've got to, we've got to have a sense of humor about ourselves. And we've got to know that, um, look, you know, I have, uh, Tom and I have three kids between us and um, they go from, 36, 32, and 28. And the youngest one, Dominic's my son. And, and um, you know, he's, he's had a struggle over the last 10 years with uh, addiction and, and, and that disease. And, um, you know, real, real pain around it for me, not knowing if this kid was going to make it or not, you know. And so... Just knowing that every single one of us, no matter where we're at in life, none of us get out unscathed. We all have something going on, you know, whatever that is. And, and, um, and all pain is the same. All suffering is the same. There's no greater or, or less suffering, you know. And so uh, the best we can do is to be gentle with ourselves and to give each other grace and to you know, and, and, and especially at this time, in this crazy uh, time in our lives, you know, I think that that compassion and grace and love goes a long way and in, in doing what you're doing, which is listening. We can't hear and be present for other people and listen to their story if we've got a tape running in our head all the time. And sometimes the biggest gift you can give to someone is to be totally 100% present without any screams or anything else going on, looking somebody in the eyes and saying, I get it. You know, I mean, that is a gift that we give other people. Yeah, it is. I always say the first step to really good storytelling is listening. It's listening. You have to listen to other people. I have learned it's been the biggest gift of my life because I've learned to listen to other people and therefore be open 
to not only their journey and their experiences and their lessons, but their perspective, you know, and I think we need a lot more of that in our world right now, too, is being open to other people's perspective without judgment or shame. Yeah. Like, tell me more. Tell me more. How do you see that? I need to know, you know, it's like the curiosity of it all, as opposed to the judgment. You know, if we're able to do that, then there's a shift that happens. And energetically, the, the you know, the world becomes more loving and more open. Well, I'm holding out hope for that. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. And I know it's one of the reasons why you show up and do what you do is because that's what we ultimately really want is to be, <laughs> to see it be better than what we have now. And that's, Be light beamers. To be light beamers. <laughs> you got it, to be light beamers. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your wisdom and your gifts and your stories and I love you, April. I love you right back. Thanks for the leadership that you represent, both in your company and to other women in network marketing and the women that you coach. It's um, You're a gift to them. So thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I accept that. <laughs> we will link up all of Denise's contact information, her website, so you can look her up and follow her, connect with her, all the things, because she's uh, she's a beauty. You will love getting to know her and seeing what she's up to in the world. So um, thank you so much for being here. And everyone, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, give it a review, share it out with your friends and family, and we'll see you back here next week on the Inside Story Podcast. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.